everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you're here. Listen now to our surf pastor, Dr. Elliot Higgins. My name is Elliot Higgins, and I am the surf pastor here at Southcliff. Dr. Carol Moore, our senior pastor, he is on vacation again today, but will be back in the office this week and be with us next week. So, alas, I'm with you again. You'll have to come back to see the big guy, but it's a delight to be with you all the same. I am grateful to be with you. But here's the material point as we continue in our study, the book of Romans. God brought us here today to give us what I have called this particular passage a wake-up call. This is something that he has put before us before time began. And we're going to see Paul, as he is writing this part of the letter of Romans out, he's painting a word picture, as it were, to give us that that function like an alarm clock, this wake-up call to move into our life and live a life of fulfillment. So every morning when you and I, when we wake up, There is a process in which we engage to get ready for the day. There is a routine. Some are more extreme than others. It doesn't matter where you come from there. The reality is there's always a process for waking up in our day. In my case, I wake up, my alarm goes off, that wake-up call, and I begin to go and begin to exercise, and I'm listening to Scripture. I found that if I read it, I can read it 13 times when I first get up and have no idea what I just read. But when I'm listening to it, somehow that works. So I'm doing my exercise, I'm listening to Scripture. When I finish, I go and I begin my breakfast, and I sit down and I'm reading devotional thoughts and some blogs that I keep up with. If I'm finished with that before I'm done with breakfast, I flip over to social media and see what you're up to. So as I scroll over to the vortex of social media and I get consumed in there while I'm finishing my breakfast, last week I was going through this same routine and I'm scrolling through and last week I came across this picture that was posted that was absolutely terrifying. It sent shivers up my spine when I looked at it and I can see this thing as vividly today as if I had just opened it up on the screen of my phone. And as I was looking at this picture, it was a picture of this dark stairway moving up, and it was dark. At the top of this stairway was a silhouette. There was just enough light to see the shape of what appeared to be a man. This man was wearing black pants and a black hoodie with a hood pulled over his head, and he's wearing a white hockey mask with two little eye slits. You can't see his eyes, but you can feel his gaze looking down the stairway at you. Now, I was looking around for the stairway in my house, and I don't even have one. It's a single-story house. But the caption on the bottom of this picture said, what would you do if you saw this in your house? Well, I had a whole bunch of things that I thought of immediately, but I thought, let's read the comments and see what the good people of Facebook have to say about it. So as you're rolling through, you see these statements and these comments, and there's one guy who posted. He said, I would breathe a sigh of relief. And we're looking at that picture, and other people are piping in now. They're saying, what do you mean you would breathe a sigh of relief? There is a serial killer at the top of your stairs looking down at you, and you would breathe a sigh of relief? He says, yes, I'd breathe a sigh of relief because now I know that I have a good excuse of why I'm not going to work tomorrow. (laughs) 
I would recommend a different place of profession there, my friend. But wherever you are, your routine, you get up and begin the process of the day. However, many of us in the room, we may not be as far as to welcome a serial killer into our house, but we face the day with great fear and anxiety. We go about our day and we look at this with, I wonder what's coming next. It seems as though work is beating me down. My boss is weighing down on me. There are, there's weights of life that are pressing in on me. There are things in my family that are coming apart. We face our day with great fear and trepidation in hardship and struggle. We begin also our day feeling like we've got a hundred different things that we are having to juggle together like a circus clown. And we're so exhausted before the day even begins. In the passage before us today, what God does is he, he gives us this wake-up call. Functions just like an alarm clock. You're going to see that word picture painted for you from Paul as he's writing this down. But God is giving us a very specific viewpoint, this waking up in the morning and facing our day. He is going to show us how we go about having a fulfilled life how we're no longer looking up the stairs with delight and joy, but rather we are fulfilling the things that God has called us to in every element of our life. So the first part of this passage that you're going to see is Paul telling us what it looks like, the key ingredient for us to experience fulfillment in every area of our life. We no longer have to go into the day with anxiety and fear. We know that there is fulfillment that can be had today. The second thing that he does is he shows us how this key concept not only brings fulfillment, but it brings a focus. All those things that we're juggling and all the different things that are pulling us, it brings a focus like that of a funnel. At the very top, this is the key ingredient that gives us a fulfilled life, but then it's brought down into a narrow focus where we can engage this into our day. And by doing this, the final section of this passage, we're going to see how this literally binds us to the things that God is doing all around us. It binds us to the plan and purpose of God, period. Now, you may be here today, and you are facing the day with anxiety and fear and struggle, and it feels to you like today is another day where there is nothing that's going to change. It's the same way it's always been, and it will never make a difference. It's always the same thing. There are others who are facing it with fear and anxiety, wondering what is coming out of left field next. There are others that are struggling with trying to have a focus in life, and God brought us together today to reveal what his idea of a fulfilled life is and how you can have it in bringing a focus into your life. You may be here today with a heart that longs to see God move in ways that only God can in your life. You want to be a part of something bigger. You want to see him move like you see on the pages of Scripture and he shows us how he does that. And by the time we're finished, we're going to see how our life is literally bound to everything that God is doing on earth. Now, I want to say this thing. This is literally the next passage in our study in the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 13. It's the next one in line. I didn't specifically pick this text. It's just what comes next. But you have to understand that God knew 
we're at a critical hit moment in human history that he has prepared the day that we have come together. He has put this passage before you and I today and he knew about this before you and I were ever born. It's highly likely that he brought us together today. In fact, I'm confident that he intends to speak this life of fulfillment into your life today, that we no longer face it with anxiety and fear, that the things that we think are always going to be, God says, absolutely not. And he binds us together with him that we live a fulfilled life. It's no accident that you're here today. I want to welcome you into the presence of the Lord as he speaks through his word. As mentioned before, we're in Romans chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. Verse 8 of Romans 13. I'm reading in the ESV translation. If you have a different one, that's fine. Just follow along the best that you can. They're all trying to say the same thing from an ancient language and bring it into a modern language that we can understand. But don't worry, we're, going to, we're not going to miss any part of this text regardless. So Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. We're going to take this piece by piece. It says this, Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, there's a lot happening in that very first verse. When we're working through Romans, sometimes it's better if we just take a chunk. And what Paul is doing here, he's now opening up the spectrum that we're seeing. Last week, that last part, the first part of verse 13, last week was talking about the government, what we owe the government, how we relate to the government, very specific. Today, he has now opened this up. In the very first thing, he says, owe no one anything but love each other. Those key words, he is opening this up to be universal. If you are a man or a woman, a child or one that is advanced in years, one who is wealthy or poor, that's an American, an African, uh, Asian, it doesn't make any difference what part of the world, age, gender, or anything. It comes down to the fact that you and I owe a debt of love. So he's having a universal statement and he says, owe no one anything. Now, here's the key. He's not specifically addressing whether or not we can borrow something from someone else. There's plenty of other passages in Scripture where we see that that is okay, and there may be some boundaries we have to follow, but it's okay. We see Jesus borrow a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. We see Jesus borrow an upper room for the Passover celebration. We see Jesus borrow a boat when he is preaching to the crowd. So borrowing in and of itself is not the problem here. What he's saying is he's recalibrating our focus. This borrowing, when I use something from you, I take something with your permission, it is benefiting me in some way. There is something about it that brings me a benefit. And what he's saying is, is rather than focusing on what people are able to do for you to benefit, what you really owe them is not that, but rather this concept of love. You owe them. So rather than looking at what they're able to do for you, you are looking at this concept of love that you give to them. You owe every human being this debt of love. And it says, for one who loves another has fulfilled the law. That key ingredient is bubbling up to the surface of Scripture right now. That key word is love. This is the key. Now, why do I say that? Because it says that this concept of love fulfills 
That word, it completes, it brings about a fulfillment. Love fulfills. The very first thing in our wake-up call that Paul is demonstrating through the text today is he is saying that fulfillment comes from love. Love fulfills. If we want a life that is fulfilling, if we want to see God move in and through us, it begins with this concept of love. Love fulfills. Fulfills what? Well, according to Scripture, the law. Now, that's interesting. We want a fulfilled life, and he's pointing backwards at this concept of the law, which many of us embrace like an Excel file. There are check boxes that we have to do. We do these things, and we don't do this. It feels boring. It feels like it limits us in so many factors. But what he's saying is this concept of love in expressing a debt of love to every human being is literally fulfilling the law that God has created. The law that he's referencing ultimately is the Ten Commandments. Now, there's other parts of law where that is built out upon, but that's the core of what he's doing. The first part of the Ten Commandments are revealing to us how we relate to God. And the second part is how we relate to each other. So everything that we are doing, this love concept as we engage each other in this love, is literally fulfilling all that God has called us to do. The law is something that is designed to reveal to us how we were created to function. The way that we were created was not to engage in these things. These things are harmful, and they take us down paths of heartache and sorrow and trouble that you and I were not designed to walk through. But they reveal that, so we avoid that. It allows us to see God's original intent for our life. So this loving of your neighbor, this loving to each and every person, a universal command, fulfills all that God has set in motion. The very thing God created you and I to do is to express love to every human being on the face of the earth. We owe them a debt of love. Here's a little snippet that's really outside of the text today. There are scientists that study the brain and and how that functions. There is something called neuroplasticity. If you want me to spell it, it's not going to happen. Welcome to Southcliff. But neuroplasticity, this is something where the, the brain scientists will tell you, specifically studies have shown that if you are expressing love, you engage love into the lives of other people around you, that they have discovered that your brain literally develops new pathways and new ways of, of flourishing. This is scientific. It's outside the pages of Scripture, but here's the point. It's as if God created you and I to do this very thing. It brings new life to other passages of Scripture where it says renew your mind and how God has literally developed our mind to respond to this in marvelous ways. That's outside the parameters of Scripture, but what God is saying plays into that. God has designed us. This is what we were created for. It fulfills all that God has created us to do, this concept of love and loving each other. So he continues, love fulfills, and he elaborates on that in verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So this passage, what he's doing is he's reinforcing this very first thing we read. Love is bringing fulfillment. Love fulfills God's command, his purpose and intention in your life. And specifically, as you express love to other people, this is what God has created us for. And so now he lists these commandments to demonstrate how that functions and how love fulfills this stuff. He begins to list, he says, don't commit adultery. Well, here's the thing. He is mentioning this concept of adultery. In my profession, I engage with people of different walks of life and different struggles and what have you. But every person that I have ever encountered that has walked through the story of adultery, whether they're the ones who have engaged in it or they're the, the victim, it doesn't matter which side. They will always tell you it's not worth it. No matter how fulfilling it seemed to be, it always brings about a guilt and a shame and a heartache that they wish they didn't have to walk through later. That this concept, what God is saying, you are not designed for this, that this, this law of not committing adultery is literally God saying you were not created for that. In this concept of love, I'm going to love my neighbor as yourself is expressly telling us this was what we were created for. This was not it. You shall not murder. Again, there is something about a hatred that spills into a murder. I despise this person so much, I'm going to take their life. And by doing so, all it does is express a hurt and a heartache and a loss in the lives of every person. You've taken somebody's son or daughter or father or mother. You yourself have a guilt that will follow like a shadow that never goes away. These are things you and I were never created to walk through and God's saying, do not do this. And by loving someone and expressing this love, it fulfills this. We do not walk through these struggles. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. Have you ever had someone take something from you? What did that do in your heart? That struggle, you may know who it was or you may not, but it's like they have violated you in some way. The, the heartache, the sorrow that comes from that, there is an issue that we were not created for. You were not meant to walk through this and love is what allows that to not happen in the first place. You shall not steal, you shall not covet. The word covet here doesn't just simply mean there's, you're looking at something that somebody else has and you want that. If you're like me and you're sucked into the vortices of social media, they know how to market you stuff. There are things that I see, I didn't know that existed, but now that I do, I want it. And I begin to think, well, how much does it cost? Well, too much, I can't have it. Or maybe I can, maybe that really will make a difference. I never knew that I could have that, but today I can. So here's the point. Coveting, however, is not that I'm looking at something and wanting it and developing a plan to go after it. That's okay. It's okay to see something somebody has and say, I'd like to work to get that myself. Covetousness, however, is where you are belittling the other person. And it, it comes out like this. You have something I want, but listen, you inherited that. I worked twice as hard as you ever have in your life, and this came easy to you. I deserve it. I have a better position in my work, and you have this. I should have that. I have more degrees than you. There are 
whatever excuse, but it's always a belittling or a humiliation of another person. And there is nothing but bitterness and, and anger that wells up within us and it's not healthy. And you know that to be true. And God is saying that that is not right. That's not what we were designed for. A love of the other person literally keeps this from happening. It brings a fulfillment. And so he's demonstrating how love answers these things. That if we want a fulfilled life, to live a life that God has created you and I to do, it begins with this whole concept of love. Specifically, looking out and into the lives universally of every human being, regardless of who they may be. Love fulfills the law. So he emphasizes this and shows us how this works. In verse 10, he says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. There it is again. Love fulfills the law. Love is concerned with doing no wrong to your neighbor. You are completely desiring for them to have success in their life, for things to be good, for there to be wholeness there. That is our concern when we express love. We're not a danger to them. We do no wrong. Love fulfills the law. In other words, God created the law to give us the parameters. These are things that you were never created to walk through. They do nothing but destroy, to bring guilt, shame, remorse, and to hinder the life that God created you to live. That's what that is all about. But through practicing this concept of the law, it now allows us to live a life that is fulfilled. We are engaged in the lives of others and we're able to see God work through it. Love is the critical thing to a fulfilled life. When we wake up in the morning and we begin our day, we have to recognize that in order to have that fulfilled life that our heart longs for, the key ingredient is love. So the foundation of this entire passage here is that love fulfills this concept of love. Now what Paul's gonna do in this next section, he's gonna issue that wake-up call. And he's gonna paint this word picture for us and it's gonna sound like that of an alarm clock. They didn't have it in these days, but it functions the exact same way. And he's gonna bring this concept of love like that of a funnel, this big picture of love down into a more narrow thing of which we can engage this, this focus that we are able to engage it. So God brought us here to remind us that Everything he intends to do in and through you begins with this concept of love. Now, verse 11 begins the second part. That love brings focus. Watch how he does it as he begins to paint this word picture of this wake-up call. Besides this, it says, so that's linking us back to all of this concept of love, everything about love. Besides this, you know that the time and the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. You begin to see that wake-up call. It's time for us to wake from sleep. There's the beginning as Paul brings this about. We wake up. 
We begin this process in our life. When you and I get up out of bed, there are things that we set in motion to prepare us for the day. So he's saying, here's the concept of a fulfilled life. It's love. Now, here's the things we set in motion to bring this into focus as we move about our day. So we wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Night is far gone and the day is at hand. So what he is giving us this picture is in that language, it's saying that that nighttime is well advanced. It's way at the end of night and daytime is right here. The sun hasn't quite come up yet, but the light is beginning to emerge over the horizon and there's a little bit of darkness as it begins to fade. We're right here and Paul says, wake up. It's time to wake up. And for what purpose? He says specifically that salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The things that God is doing today He has never done in history. This is a new day that God is doing. The things that are happening today are not what happened yesterday. It's not that God didn't have the power to make these things happen, but rather he was working through the events of the day and now we have a new one. And God has been working through the lives of billions of people and how all that intersects to develop his kingdom plan that is on the horizon When the sun rises, when the kingdom of God comes, of which we are closer today than ever before, we're going to see how each day has brought about a new fulfillment of what God is doing. So when we want to engage this concept of love and we want to live the fulfilled life, the key here is when we begin our day, we recognize it's brand new. God has something unique today that did not exist any other time. We live at a specific and important crossroads in all of human history. And why this is important is when we get up, and many of us get up and say, this is the same as it was yesterday. Nothing ever changes in my life. This is the same today as it was yesterday, and it will always be like this. We seem to speak in absolutes. Paul is saying that that is not a proper viewpoint. The proper viewpoint here is that God is working through love and today is a day that he is doing something new. It is not the same as yesterday and we're at a critical crossroads where God is building and developing his kingdom in and through your life. So it's beginning to bring this whole concept of love into a focus that this isn't how it's always been or how it will always be. God is at work, God is bringing his kingdom and he is doing it in the events in your life this very day. So wake up to that truth. And so he continues. He says, the night's far gone. This stuff is all over and the horizon is coming. And watch what he says in the second part of verse 12. Let us cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. So he's showing us there's something unique about the day. God is working in this day through the expression of love in a new way and his kingdom is coming and he's developing that kingdom. But then he tells us, cast off the works of darkness, that imagery of getting up out of bed, that we are to cast off the covers. It's time to get up. 
when the daylight comes up, we go about our business. We go to school, we go to work, we may have to go to the doctor. It matters not what we're doing, but it's time to get out from under the covers. We fling off this blanket and begin our day. And he's calling this blanket, this casting off, the darkness and the works of darkness. Now what's unique here is that every one of us, this is another universal statement, every single one of us have slept in this bed that we have embraced darkness at some point in our life and perhaps even today. And he is giving a wake-up call that God has something unique today, but all of this stuff that we have been sleeping in, this bed of darkness, these covers, we are to cast this off. And here's how this impacts our day and brings a focus. Many of us refuse to engage the thing that God has called us to because we are still clinging to something in our past something sinful, something dark. There is something there, perhaps that you have done that no one in this room has ever even heard whispered. And it brings this guilt and shame and sorrow and all of this stuff comes from something you have done in the past. And it's possible that it's something someone else has done to you. And there's this anger and sorrow and, and distrust of people. There's all of these things that we seem to cling to. And Paul is saying everything in the past, however dark it may be, that is God's territory. There is absolutely nothing you and I can do to change any one of those things. It's only God that can touch that. I can't roll back time and engage yesterday. I can't go back five years ago. This is stuff that has happened. He's implying that we've been there, done that, but it's time to cast it off and let it go. And today, it may be that God brought you here to say this fulfilling life of loving other people and expressing that is being held up because we haven't brought that into focus because we're clinging to something in our past, a sin, the shame, the guilt, all that stuff, and God declares to you today, cast it off. It's God's territory, and you know that because you can't roll back time. So he's saying God is doing a new thing today, and his kingdom is coming, and nothing is stopping that, and we're casting off all this stuff in our past. We're laying it at the feet of God, and we're going to engage the day with this focus. I'm going to love other people, even though I am probably not worthy, or they have harmed me in some way. I'm going to love them as God has commanded me to do. And it says, put on the armor of light. That is interesting. Here, this whole passage is talking about love, and now Paul is using this imagery of armor and how this concept of love functions like armor. Armor is designed to protect. It's not an offensive weapon, it's defensive. In fact, it's not really a weapon even at that. It just simply protects from attack. It's designed to protect us. And here he's saying, in order to wake up to the day, God is moving, throw off the stuff of the past, but now this love is functioning like an armor. How does that work? Well, we see that in verse 13. He says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. So he's showing us now, we put this on, how does this armor work? It means that we are dressed properly for the day. This concept of love, he's bringing focus to it, not in orgies or, or drunkenness or sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy. So he's got another list of these, these 
things in the law that God has said, and the very majority of them are all sexually related. And I believe that he is putting these here in, in the quantity they are because there's very few things in life that when we abuse this, it is so interwoven with who we are and brings such destruction and heartache into our life. It's entirely different, and he's bringing this up and saying this stuff can destroy in ways in the deepest recesses of our heart. And he's making this statement, and he continues, this is not how you were created. In fact, this love functions like an armor protecting you from all of these things. And here's how this works. When I am expressing love into the lives of those that are around me, and you do the same, I want nothing to hurt you. I want not to wrong you. These things do not happen. It may be that I love you, and and that concept of, of an affair looks very appealing, but because I love you so much, we're not going there. And this concept of armor, the fact that we are loving people the way God has created, actually works to protect us from needless heartache and pain. This concept of a fulfilled life is outwardly focused into the lives of others, but it actually functions to protect me and protect you. And he continues of all the sexual sins here, but he says not even in quarreling. When we begin to argue with people, this concept of love functions like an armor protecting me from this. As I mentioned, my morning routine, I go through and I'm reading blogs and things of people that I like to follow. And there's this one particular recommendation that came my way. And it was a, a pastor who's soon to be retired. And, and he had a list of 20 things every young pastor under 40 needs to know. And I'm like, well, okay, I've read a lot of these before, but I'm, I'm interested. So I'll read this. Well, way down the list, there's this one thing that he said that, was so bizarre at first, but then when I grasped it, I thought that's a really good thing to say. He said that in his time as a pastor of church, there was a lot of conflict and, and just mud slinging in that particular church. And a deacon came up to him and he just said, Pastor, don't wrestle a pig. That's what got my attention. I'm like, what is this? He says, don't wrestle a pig. Because when you do, you both get dirty and the pig liked it. In other words, don't take the low road. When people engage you in this quarrelsome nature, they enjoy that. There is something about it that they don't mind doing that, but it costs you. In this concept of love, when we're looking out at the lives of those around us, I'm not going to engage in this quarrel, and I'm not going to be walking down this road because it does nothing for anybody, and I love you too much for that to happen. It functions like an armor that shields me from unnecessary mess. Jealousy, same thing. I'm looking out at other people. There's something you want or something you've done. Listen, that's you. This is me. God created me for a different role than you. There are similarities, of course, but every one of us are different, and I love you in the way that you were created, and I'm not going to allow this jealousy to burn me up. And by the way, if there's something you're jealous of somebody else for, they don't care. It's all about you at that point. It burns you up. It festers. And this concept of love protects us from that problem. So he's saying that love is bringing a fulfillment that God has created us for. It's bringing a focus and it's literally protecting us from these things.
any time when it's talking about love fulfilling the law, love is bringing this fulfillment. We understand that the whole concept of the law is demonstrating what God created us for in the first place. He created us to express love and receive love from everybody else. That we're working through the confines of love. This is what we were designed for. The law is showing us what we were not designed for. And what's important and why God is bringing this to the table for us to see today is anytime we use something outside of the design parameters, there's always disaster. What do I mean by that? You've seen these videos of people say, hey man, watch this. And they've used something that's never designed to do what they're trying to do and disaster ensues. For an example, a fork is designed to pick up food from a plate and put it in your mouth. It is not designed to dig something out of an electrical socket. There are things that we function outside of the design and it leads to disaster. And Paul is simply saying, the fulfilled life that God has created you for is designed around this concept of love. And we bring it into focus as a wake-up call in our morning knowing God has created today unlike any other day and we're at a critical moment that no one else has walked and God has prepared this day for something that develops his kingdom which is right on the horizon. And today is not the same as it's always been because God is in it. And he doesn't just do the same monotonous things. He's building something. He's creating something. And nobody can stop that. He continues, this stuff in our past, the darkness, the sin, we've all walked there, cast it off. That's God's territory through Jesus. And the work that he's done on the cross has freed us from it. And it is time to fling from it and say, Lord, I'm not going to carry this around. And we continue to say that, that even though we've flung this off, I'm going to stand and express love to people and literally it functions to protect me. It's not a checklist of laws that I keep. It's literally a protection of what I was designed and now we live in the fullness of what God created you and I to do in the first place. There's no counterfeit here. We're living the literal destiny that God mapped out for you and I before we were ever created. Love brings fulfillment Love brings focus. And this final verse, I believe, shows how love is binding. How it literally shows how it connects us to God and all that he has. Let me read this. Verse 14. Put on, he says, in all of this, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. When we put on this concept of love and we begin to express love, this debt of love that we owe every human being, it is what God created it for and it functions like very much like a coat or a robe. We are literally clothing ourselves with God himself. And Jesus Christ, at this moment, everything that he's designed you for, the fullness of God, his power, all the working from eternity past into eternity future is surrounding you like that of a coat, a robe, something that is enveloping us. This love binds us to the purposes of God. If you want a fulfilled life, it only comes through God. This is what you were created to do. 
before you ever, ever breathed your first breath on this earth, you were created in this way. And this whole concept of love bringing a fulfilled life binds us to the very working of God in every facet of life. We wake up in the morning and begin to go through a routine and we recognize this isn't just another day. This is a day that God is working. And the stuff in my past, I'm gonna leave in God's territory because there's something he's got for me today. And I'm not gonna look to the left or to the right. I owe every person a debt of love because that's what I was created for. Not only does it benefit them, but it protects me from things that I should never have walked through in the first place, and I recognize that. I don't know why the Lord brought you here precisely. I have a few ideas. But I do know that God put this passage before us today, and he created this design before you and I were born, as I mentioned at the very beginning. And you may have walked in here today with this understanding that there is a lack of fulfillment in your life and every day feels like a weight that you are dragging through and you look forward to tomorrow, but yet tomorrow looks the same as today. And God is reminding you that perhaps today is a day that we need to recalibrate the way we look out at the people around us. And perhaps today is the day that he's bringing a name or a face in front of your mind. And he's revealing this is someone that you are not loving. There is someone here that you need to express love toward that you've never done before. And it's time to begin this thing. And it literally changes the way that our world works. It may be that you're here today and you have kept your head down. You've been beat up in every direction. There's stuff in your past that you think, God can't use me. I can't express this because of all of this stuff in the past. If you only knew, I don't have to know. We cast this off like a blanket. That's God's territory. He takes care of that. He's promised that in his word. But today he reminds you and perhaps today you need to lay that down. All that shame and guilt, that stuff comes from the pit of hell. It's not coming from God. And today you need to be lifted up and recognizing that this fulfilling life begins the wake-up call. This stuff's got to go. And whatever that is, he's bringing to the forefront. And perhaps today your heart longs to see God move in new ways. And he reveals to you that God, anytime we are engaged with the biblical love of other people, of every person, there God is also. And per day, perhaps today, your heart burns and yearns to see God move in mighty ways, and he's just showed you how. It's a wake-up call for you and I. So here's what we're gonna do in our time together. There's a particular song that we're going to sing in just a moment. And I'm gonna ask that you do business with God. I don't know what it is that he has brought at this intersection in history that what you have brought in this room and online, there's something about it that he's saying, this fulfilling life, I am inviting you to, and there's something he's calling you to either get rid of or put on. And this is the time where we spend time with him saying, here it is, Lord, I am ready. I'm ready to see you move. And God promises to bring fulfillment when we engage it. You don't need me for this. You only need time with the Lord. There are steps here if you need to pray here or bring a little prayer card, something you wanna leave behind and go back to your seat, that's fine. I'm gonna be down front. I've got another person who'll be down front. We will be happy to pray with you and you can come forward to do that as we begin the song. But here's one final thing. 
I believe that there's somebody listening to me in this room or online. You may believe in Jesus. You've been in church all your life and you're saying, I, I am empty. I don't have a fulfilled life. And it's because you've never surrendered to Jesus in the first place. You know who he is. Everyone around you says, oh yeah, you're a Christian, but you know in your heart you have never surrendered to him. The Bible says that even the demons believe in who Jesus is. And people of God, they have seen him on his throne. They know who he is, but they are terrified. They shudder because they've never surrendered. And today God says, you can begin this life of fulfillment by surrendering to me. And if that's you, that is the reason why God brought you here today. Let's stand and begin to sing this and you do business with God as he has called you to today from before time even began. Everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.